From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Willkommen, bienvenue, welcome from Berlin, Germany to my show. And my guest today is again Mohammed Barakat from Palestine, a person who's not only uh, lecturing tourists on the history of the Palestine conflict and Israel, but also journalist, I recently learned. <laughs> and he's a treasure trove of knowledge. And in the first hour, it's kind of a, I think, a university uh, style lecture uh, that you get on the very beginning of the history from 6,000 years to we stopped something in between 1967, 1973. And it will be about 20 more minutes of that um, in this show, and then we switch to the current situation. Um, I think, and also definitely Mr. Barakat thinks, that you cannot understand what's going on right now without knowing at least some of the structures that led to the current conflict. It's an ongoing thing we all know. Um, the street wisdom is it's so complicated, you better leave it to the people who know it. But everyone... Like in every issue, um, everyone should know something about it and make up his own mind. So thank you for joining me again, Mr. Barakat, and just continue where you stopped, which was Six-Day War. Oh, hi, everyone. So thank you, Dirk. It's my pleasure again to be with you and to talk about the history of the country. This is my country where I was born and raised. So I was an eyewitness in the War of 1967 which caused that Israel took over uh, the West Bank, which is part of Jordan used to be, Sinai from Egypt, Gaza was part of it even, and uh, the Golan Heights. And I remember that I spoke about how Israel, want, uh, you know, they have already a new people under its control and they want to do kinds of uh, procedures or arrangements for those new people under its control. Because, in mm -hmm. fact, in 1948, the people, the Arabs who have stayed in the country, they had been given the Israeli citizenship, which was later on, according to the uh, the way of life over there in Israel, and they have the right to vote. So it was a way that they could not give more Arabs to be part of the Israeli state and to have more majority of Arabs at the end, and they will be the, uh, you know, the main power in the country. So, as a, as a matter of fact, they give different status for the people in the West Bank, Gaza, and the people of Jerusalem. And this is the way that we had been treated by the Israeli uh, uh, occupation. So the people of Jerusalem had been given the Israeli ID cards, but we were not considered as citizens of the state. Our status says that we are the permanent residents of Jerusalem, the long-term visitors of the city. <laughs> uh, according to our status, it had been given us the right um, to vote in the Israeli local council of the Jerusalem municipality, which we never did that, because if it happened, it means that we accepted the unification of East Jerusalem to be part of Israel, which up to today we believe that East Jerusalem is part of the occupied territories of 67. And they gave us another uh, privilege that we could apply to the Israeli Ministry of Interior to ask the government of Israel to give us the Israeli citizenship. Now imagine in 1967, we were only 70,000 of those permanent residents of Jerusalem. Now we are over almost 400,000. It's a big number of Palestinians of East Jerusalem. Among us, 
we have over 20% of the Palestinians of East Jerusalem already got the Israeli citizenship. Now, that gave us more power to the Palestinians of Jerusalem, as a matter of fact, um, to live in different area beside East Jerusalem, because according to their status as citizens, they have the right to live anywhere in the West Bank or in Israel. But we as Palestinians of East Jerusalem, according to the Israeli regulations, since the beginning of the occupation, you, you have to prove that your daily life is concentrated inside the border of Jerusalem. It means that you have to be sure that you are having, uh, you have to be living in the border of the municipality of Jerusalem. Your kids have to go to schools in Jerusalem, your work, uh, your uh, electricity bills, your water bills, your uh, taxes, all that, it is a part of, of your improvement that you are part of Jerusalem. Even though after this 1967, we were, they didn't enforce these regulations. In fact, it was much easier. But the people of East, of the West Bank and Gaza, they had been given different color ID card since the beginning of the occupation, and they were considered also residents of the West Bank and Gaza. And um, uh, they gave even their license plates for their vehicles, different colored license plates. It was blue for the private vehicles and green for the public transportation. Those people, even after the War of 67, they used to travel in Israel, they work in Israel. They used to go to the beaches of the Mediterranean, Tel Aviv and Haifa and Akko, without permissions. This is the style or the, work, the way that we were living after the War of 67. Now, working in Israel, we were the main labor force to the Israeli government because uh, I have mentioned before that it, after the War of 67, the borders of Israel was a long border to defend. Uh, they used to have the old Sinai from Egypt, the Suez Canal, the Aqaba Gulf, uh, the Mediterranean, the border with Jordan, which is the longest border, the uh, the Jordan River, the Jordan Valley, and the Golan Heights and South Lebanon. So they need a lot of security on the borderline, but they need somebody to work in the Israeli factories, you know, uh, fields, in fact, in uh, companies, in uh, the construction uh, sector and so on. So they depended on the Palestinians uh, of the West Bank and Gaza. We reached over 200,000 Palestinians labor force inside Israel. Now, even in that period after 1967, during the 70s, even after the war of 1973, uh, we had better chances of life than other countries around us, even Arab countries. But in fact, after the uh, elections, which happened in 1976 and uh, the Likud party have won the elections that time, things have started to change in the mentality of the regulations in Israel and even with the laws, that the Likud party started to shift the country from socialism towards capitalism. And that's where we started to see that Israel was focusing over, you know, um, types of building the settlements, mainly in the West Bank. And uh, that caused more trouble with the Palestinians they just moved into Gaza Strip, building several of those settlements, and also in the West Bank. And it happened after the, mainly after they just had signed the peace process with Egypt, which gave them more power to go on with these settlements. So in 1987, 
it was at the end of the 1987, we as Palestinians started the first uprising, the Intifada. It was a loud shout to the Israeli community that we are, um, you know, we are tired of the occupation. We want to live with you in peaceful solutions. So we want to have our freedom, which is a main part of the human being, you know, nature, that they need to be free. So this is what was the main, uh, uh, the main part of the first uprising, which I believe that time that they, most of the Israeli society have received the message. And that's where we started the peace process. Because in Israel that, that year, which is 1992, they had elections, and through the elections, the peace camp in Israel, which was led by Rabin and Paris, they won the elections, and that gave them the power to go on with the negotiations with the PLO, which I was completely forbidden to do these types of negotiations or uh, kinds of connect, connecting with the PLO. So we have what we call it Oslo Accords Agreement in 1993, which was a big pleasure for the Palestinians that at the end, we have reached something to uh, to find solutions and peaceful solutions among uh, the Palestinians and the Israelis. So in 1994, the Oslo Accords Agreement have been endorsed. Me, one question, which I no, always no. thought about, if you look into the history of the Israeli uh, prime ministers, I noticed that um, all of them are soldiers. I mean, it's uh, except for if you start with uh, um, um, Ben Gurion or not. But then, for example, Rabin has been the uh, the chief of staff of Israel, uh, but he started the peace process. Can you answer to me very shortly why he came to that conclusion? And Perez, of course, is the guy who helped Israel to become a nuclear weapon state. Uh, so why did these two? Um, were uh, instrumental in trying to establish a real peace with the Palestinians. What what was their reasoning behind it? Well, first of all, you have to understand that those two major, you know, uh, figures of the peace process from the Israeli side, they discovered that you cannot get rid of the people of the country, the Palestinians. Even though they do have that time, we're talking about 1990, they used to have a lot, around less than a million Palestinians citizens of the state and also beside them we were around four millions of palestinians in gaza and the west bank and they could not get them out as what that happened in 1948 so they have to deal with different situation that at the end they will reach a kinds of solutions that the country would be divided among the palestinians and israelis as to go back to the borders of 1967 and to implement the peaceful solutions that's what they have discovered, and that's what they came out after the big uh, uprising, which happened by the Palestinians. And they, they, they know that the world is focusing over that, and the only way to solve the problem is to go with the peace process. So that is a peace policy as a realpolitik. Uh, uh, yes, uh, yes. Stand. Okay. As, as a major, you know, mm -hmm. figures of mm -hmm. the army, even though. And you yes. have to understand that in Israel, most of those. Uh, ministers in the Israeli parliament or the government, usually they will be there, you know, uh, they have a background of uh, serving in the army. You know, they are generals, mm. colonels, you know, all of them, mostly, you know, yes. 80% of those people, they are part of the Israeli army. Now, 
1994, this peaceful uh, agreement had been uh, endorsed and signed in the White House by Mr. Clinton and Mr. Rabin and uh, the Chairman Arafat. And that's gave hope for the people in Palestine that we reach a peaceful solution. Where in Israel, there was a division among these, uh, the community, which the Likud have a big demonstrations against the peace uh, agreement, according to Oslo Accords. And they just formed, you know, they um, gave a note that Mr. Rabin is giving up the land of the Jews to the Palestinians to build their state on. And they show that he is part of, you know, the Palestinians liberation organization. And they had types of, uh, you know, photos for Mr. Rabin with the kufiya that he's a Palestinian. He He's not a Jew. So that caused that part of the far east, far west, I mean, far right wing in Israel, uh, Egal, Egal uh, Amir, have shot Mr. Rabin after a big rally in Tel Aviv that night on the 5th of November, 1995. Over 400,000 Jews were singing for peace after he finished his speech. Walking down the stairs, Egal Amir have shot and killed Mr. Rabin. These bullets uh, wasn't Just one short Mr. interruption Rabin. there. Um, uh, I uh, recommend... There's an article out <clears throat> on Covert Action Magazine, an excellent uh, publication um, from Jeremy Kuzmarov, whom I also interview um, soon. Uh, and that is called uh, Yigal Amir is uh, the um, Oswald, um, uh, you know, the murder from Kennedy. Murder of Oswald, uh, yes, because the bullets yeah, and which had been shot bullet, to Mr. Rabin, it wasn't shot for Mr. Rabin, it was shot, these bullets for the peace process. It's, a, it's also look at that. Uh, it's a very this is a very strange story indeed. If you look at that article, but I just wanted to get because that's background. I never heard about that before. It's even it was definitely against the people peace process, and it might even be that Yigal Amir is a patsy that he did not fire the bullet that killed him. That he was killed later on. Listen, uh, read the story. It's very interesting uh, account, but. The factual thing is this ended the peace process. Let's continue. Yes, there. it was one of the main causes for the failure of the peace process. Because 1996, uh, you know, after the death of Mr. Rabin, Paris was the prime minister. In 1996, there was elections. And according to that elections in Israel that time, they do have two uh, elections in the same time, which is the prime minister election. You have to vote to... Uh, choose one of the for the prime minister and for the uh, members of the Israeli uh, Knesset, which is the parliament. So that year, Mr. Peres have launched a war against South Lebanon, which caused the death of several of those uh, civilians in South Lebanon. So the Palestinians, Israeli citizens, they boycott uh, that time to vote for Mr. Peres. So it caused that time that the right wing have given the power to Mr. Netanyahu to be the prime minister in 1996, 1997. So Mr. Netanyahu completely was against the peace process. And then when he had been the prime minister, in, you know, uh, having the coalition with part of the right wing, he started to give orders to start with the building the settlements 
And the settlement which caused more of the trouble, it had been built 1997 southeast of Jerusalem, which is called Har Homa. And that was the main part of the, what we call it, the, um, the clashes between the Palestinians Authority that time with Chairman Arafat and the Israeli government, because according to the peace agreement, Israel should not build any settlement. And according to agreement, they have to dismantle the settlements only to give two big settlements blocks to be swapped inside Israel. So, you know, and according to the agreement that part of the areas which had been, uh, uh, you know, uh, arranged in that peace process, which is area A, B, and C, uh, A, which is the main cities in the West Bank, uh, that's where the most of the people are living. Uh, it had been given to the Palestinians authority to, to run full civil administrative and the full security control. But that area comes to be less than 18% of the whole occupied territories. I'm talking th that time about, uh, you know, the West Bank and Gaza, even though. Mm. I have area to interrupt B you here. We have to have, uh, keep in mind Area B. I write it down, but we have to have some okay. advertisements now to have a break. Yeah. Mark Morano on TNT Radio. Anti-Semitism existed long before DEI, but here it is. At the heart of DEI is a simple binary. The world is divided between oppressors and the oppressed. Proponents of DEI cast white people as oppressors, black people as the oppressed. Will they apply this frame primarily to America? They often apply it to Israel too. Apparently, Israel is a bastion of Jew whiteness with a racist commitment to shattering the lives of non-white Palestinians. What's interesting about Jews as white oppressors. This is exactly what got Whoopi Goldberg in trouble on The View, where she actually and, and still even doubled down the next day and didn't think it was a big deal, but was finally forced by ABC to take a few days leave, issue an apology. But she essentially said that the Holocaust in Nazi Germany was no big deal because it was just white on white oppression. You know, not, not the kind of thing that we'd be concerned with today in our multicultural landscape. The Mark Morano Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like, I don't remember what I did last week, but like, I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible. I'm dying. I wasn't working. So I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. And this is Dirk Pohlmann with my guest Mohammed Barakat from uh, the West Bank, Palestinian. And uh, to show us that the story of the conflict that we are witnessing right now is not about really anti-Semitism on the core. It has a long history and we need to understand this history to come to the point where we can think about solutions. But 
Um, Mr. Barakat is very knowledgeable on this per, uh, on this topic. He lectures journalists when they go through the West Bank about the history. And I st had to stop you for the advertisement. You were talking about Area B. So please continue there and keep in mind that we want to come to the current conflict. So we have already <laughs> ex exceeded the time frame we talked in the beginning. So keep it short right, until right. we get where we are. Yeah. So um, Area B, which is the villages, towns, uh, communities around the main uh, cities, had been given have been given to the Palestinian Authority to run the full civil administrative. But security, according to the agreement, should be run by the two countries, by the Israelis and the Palestinians. It was joint forces, an Israeli mil military jeep and a Palestinian military jeep just circling around in that area. That's how it had been arranged. And that area comes to be less than 22% of the whole occupied territories. What had been left, which is over 60%, had been given to be under the full Israeli military control. So the area C comes to be that our connecting roads between the main cities, it comes, it comes to be on, in Area C. So when you are leaving one city to another city, you will have to pass through Area C, where the Israeli army have their uh, checkpoints and uh, the closures. In Area C, we have our water resources, which we, have, uh, we are not allowed to do any kinds of, uh, you know, pumping the water from there. It's only the Israeli water company, which is Mikarot, is having the power to take over our water resources. In Area C, we have the settlements, which is, have been, uh, you know, scattered and all over the West Bank. In Area C, we have the plains for the agriculture sector for our uh, future planning. We cannot do anything over there unless if we get the permission from the Israeli military uh, order, you know, the, uh, the governor. So it was so hard, but it was a, a process. According to the agreement, this process should run for five years, from 1994 up till 1999. According to the uh, to that agreement, that part of Area C should move to Area B and part of B to A. Within the five years, over 70% of the land should be Area A. And that gives us a power that we have a state, a country. What will be left over for the final negotiations is to have a, 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 an agreement of the way to solve or the status of Jerusalem, how Jerusalem could be. The border with Jordan for security, who's going to run the security in that part? This is the second thing. The third is the water resources. How could we deal with the water between the two countries? And the last uh, main issue that had been kept for the final negotiations, which is the right of return for the Palestinians refugees. So those were the four main subjects which had been left for the final negotiations. Imagine in 1994, when we started the peace process, in Area C, we had over 400,000 Palestinians living. And that time, it was easy to do the uh, peaceful arrangements because it was only less than 150,000 Israeli settlers, which was available for the Israeli country that time, the government, to dismantle most of these settlements and to take back into Israel those settlers, which is less than 150. But when Mr. Netanyahu took over, he started to build the settlements, encouraging more of those people to move to the settlements, enlarging the settlements, building a new outposts from those uh, settlers, which nowadays, after 30 years of peace process, what happened in Area C? Nowadays, we have over 
500 to 600,000 Israeli settlers in Area C. Where Palestinians in Area C, we are less than 150,000. So this has caused more trouble. Now, living in this situation after the failure of the peace process in the year 2000, when we have the second uprising, uh, that was because of Mr. Netanyahu's work. We had the second uprising. The um, you know the the frustration of the Palestinians after all that period from 1994 up till the year 2000, there was nothing happened as a way to show that we are proceeding forward to implement the peace process. We had the second uprising in the year 2002. That where Israel have elections and Mr. Sharon have won the elections that time. And Mr. Shalom, to deal with the security procedures, mainly in Gaza, because there were settlers living in Gaza, there were less than 8,000 settlers living in Gaza, among 1.5, which is 1 million and a half Palestinians living in Gaza. It was so hard to implement a full security procedure 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It was so difficult to protect those settlers. As a general of the army, he discovered that it is better for him to dismantle these settlements, to take out the settlers from Gaza and to close Gaza. And that is what happened. So they closed Gaza in the year 2005, after they withdrew from Gaza, the settlers and the Israeli army. Gaza was completely under the Palestinian authority. We, Mr. Arafat had passed away in the year 2004, and in the year 2006, we had elections where in that elections, the Americans gave the, the green light for Hamas to join the elections, the, um, uh, the Europeans also, and the Israelis were waiting to see how the elections were uh, run on. And when Hamas won the elections, Israel said that we are not going to negotiate with a terrorist group. So the Americans stood beside them, and even the Europeans have supported that uh, regulation, that the uh, Israeli the procedure, and that's where the peace process have stuck in. Hamas was part of that, uh, you know, part of uh, the cause of it, according to the Americans and the Israelis. So Hamas took the power in 2007 over Gaza, where that gave the right to the Israeli government that time to close Gaza completely. So it was completely Gaza as an open prison since 19, since 2007. There was no chance for anyone to, to get into Gaza. Because before that, I used to take groups to Gaza to stop, you know, to drop them at the uh, Ares checkpoint to cross, to go to do a one day tour in Gaza and to come back. Since 2007, it was forbidden to any uh, internationals to get into Gaza. Palestinians also were completely stopped of entering Gaza. Gaza started to be seen as completely a prison because even they didn't give the chance for the workers in Gaza to get the permissions to work in Israel. So the situation in Gaza had been completely miserable. The uh, the unemployment was very high. It's It was over 40 to 50%. Poverty was over 60% among the people. Uh, life was so hard, even uh, the fishermen was a limited area to do fishing. Uh, there was no chance of surviving in several, uh, you know, in these types of conditions. 
But they usually that time still have tunnels between Gaza Strip and Sinai, which it helped them that time to bring products from Egypt. Even that time they were having a types of tunnels to bring even animals to do to build a zoo in Gaza. Imagine they brought animals, <laughs> lions, elephants from all over to do to build a zoo in Gaza. So the life was that time, I mean, among that smuggling things from uh, Egypt into Gaza was better for them in this situation. Life was better even. Till the time when Egypt had been under the uh, rule of the Sisi, Mr. Abdel Fattah Sisi, the government had been changed, the Muslim Brotherhood had lost the power over there. And when Mr. Sisi had blocked and closed all those tunnels, so that time, 2013, completely, Gaza was completely, you know, shut down. No chance of life. Only the passages where the Israeli products used to pass to Gaza. If Israel was to stop, they could close the access, which is the checkpoints, so nothing could get into Gaza, which we have seen that happen in the year 2014 and other periods. So this is how the situation had been run, that living in these types of conditions, it was so hard for the people of Gaza. Living, it's not a year or two years, it's since the year 2007, and mostly after the, uh, the blocking the tunnels, closing it completely and having more security on the border of uh, Sinai between Egypt and Gaza, that made it much harder for the people in Gaza. So when you are talking about 2.3 millions in Gaza without without a hope of life, depression, uh, poverty, uh, you know, a uh, human being completely had been humiliated in that area because there is no chance to improve themselves. There is no dreams that they can have it on them. So this was an opportunity for Hamas to build its, you know, its power as a way to be sure that uh, Israel have dealt with us as Palestinians in two bodies. There is a body which is ruled by the PLO in or the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank, where we in the West Bank have a type of work, a type of mm -hmm. life. We can cross to go to Jordan. We can drive. We can work in Israel. We have a more uh, labor force in Israel. And working in the cities gives us much better daily life than people in Gaza. But in the West Bank, we don't have a full security for us as under the Palestinian Authority. Israeli army could come in in any time in our cities, which is against the uh, agreement between the Palestinian Authority and the Israeli government that time, that the Israeli government, the Israeli forces should not enter Area A completely. They have to coordinate with the Palestinian Authority. But with the current governments and the, uh, the previous governments, which is mostly the right-wing governments, they gave the power to themselves to get into Area A in time where the Palestinian Authority is to arrest, to detain, to kill, to, to close these cities, which the Palestinians in the West Bank started to feel that we don't have a type of security, that the Palestinian Authority is not securing their people. The Palestinians Authority, when the Israeli army comes in, they have to disappear from the streets. They should not be on the streets. 
But again, one we have question money. though, the argument that I heard from Israelis that uh, they have to be very careful because they're all the time terrorist attacks that they have to crack down on that. What is your answer to that? But uh, there was types of, you know, uh, types of operations, we call it uh, suicide attacks that happened in the 90s, mm -hmm. beginning of the tw 2000s and something, but not more later. We didn't have that time. It happened maybe once or let's say two, three times, that's it. Israel in the year 2002, they built a wall completely, a borderline wall between Israel and the West Bank. And they have, you know, among that wall, which is over, uh, now it is over 600 kilometers of walls, which had been already had been built. Uh, they have crossing, which is the checkpoints that you can cross through with, with, with the permissions, but never be riding all those the Palestinians of the West Bank always have to go walking through these checkpoints to go into Israel or Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. But Gaza have been different type. Even though Gaza had Hamas uh, power, there is no settlers inside Gaza. There is no army inside Gaza, Israeli army, but they don't have life. They don't have work. They don't have income. They don't have type of future. So Israel wants to keep this situation between the West Bank and Gaza, where you always feel as a Palestinian, you are always missing a main thing of your daily life. In Gaza, you are missing the life, work, and future. In the West Bank, you are missing the security. Imagine, as I told you before, that in Gaza, since years and years, after mainly after the, uh, the blockades and um, the closure by the border between Sinai and Gaza, Qatar was given the right to uh, financial Hamas power in Gaza through Israel. So they usually used to bring over 15 to 20 millions, 20 million dollars every month from Qatar to Israel and into Gaza as a way to keep the Gaza Hamas power in function. They needed yeah. this is part of the policy of Mr. Netanyahu to divide the Palestinians among those two powers and to keep that is also the stated, challenge. Uh, yeah, they said that on the front, it looks like uh, it's working against it. But in the if you look at it from the back door, it is helping Israel. I think it's also important to understand that keeping the two, it was uh, Hamas and PLO where it's divide and, and rule. Uh, of the course, this is always, part of the policy of the yeah. colonizers since the beginning to, yeah, uh, to divide and conquer. That, uh, so, that was uh, part of the policy noticed, of the Israeli government. I noticed so that, when I had a colleague back then uh, who wrote Richard Sale, who was a UPI uh, intelligence correspondent. He, he had uh, he was talking to um, for an, inter an interview with a guy from the CIA who said the problem with the Israelis at that time when they tried to strengthen Hamas to have a counterforce against the secular PLO, which was mm -hmm. socialist leaning. They wanted this. Muslim Brotherhood connection, and he stated there, the guy from the CIA said, the problem with the Israelis, they always want to be too sexy in their operations. And with Hamas, it reminds him like somebody set his hair on fire and uses then a hammer to extinguish the fire. This is uh, in a way where we are now, because it's very hard to control it. It's a similar situation like with the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Yes, who that's the same policy. You see, the Americans have given them this types of plan. Uh, America have created uh, the Mujahideen in Afghanistan against the Soviet Union. They empowered them. They gave them everything. After that, they 
They were part of the ISIS and the Qaeda, those uh, Mujahideen. Now they are terrorist groups, but before they were Mujahideen against the, uh, their enemies, I mean the, the Americans' enemy. It's the same yeah. here. They empowered Hamas in the 90s. When they reached the power, they started to give a way to have to challenge the PLO because they couldn't get much more in, uh, for their interest, the Israel interest, that some of those two power, they will be more uh, an easy way to uh, give more chances to the Israelis to give more land or to go with the plans of okay. the Israelis. Mr. That's... Barakat, we have to cut again for advertisements. Okay. Keep in mind, 20 minutes to go and we need to understand and I also ask you, all of what we heard is no reason to kill 1,400 civilians, um, as there's no reason to kill 10,000 civilians in Gaza. So how do we get to that? How was the road to that? And how do we, can we go, can we go somewhere else where it's reasonable after the ads? With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Who says legislation isn't a contact sport? We nearly came to blows today in the United States Senate as Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma squared off against Sean Butterbean O'Brien, the general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. O'Brien had been very critical of Mullen on X, tweeting, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Just a clown and a fraud, always has been, always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy. Mark Wayne Mullen read that tweet and said, here is a place, now is a time you want to go? And Butterbean said, let's go. Cooler heads like Bernie Sanders intervened. They weren't going to come to blows anyway. This wasn't quite the caning of abolitionist Republican Senator Charles Sumner by pro-slavery Democrat Senator Preston Brooks of South Carolina in 1856, but it was good to see a Republican show a little spine, show a little enthusiasm for his position. Now, if we can only get Mark Wayne as focused on election integrity efforts and on budgetary issues as he is on posts on X. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. But remember, there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... <laughs> okay. And around the world for any animal, any disaster. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. You're listening to Dirk Pullman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Yeah, and we want to use this last quarter of an hour uh, to get into the situation right now. Um, I would like to remind the listeners that in the United Nations, there have been about as many resolutions condemning Israel for not adhering to the regulations that were in treaties as there for any other of the states in the world combined. So it's 50% for Israel resolution, 50% for all the others. And one of the big problems is that uh, if you don't enforce law, and everybody knows that from its country, then you are asking for trouble. It will lead to violence. And we have a lot of violence here uh, right now. Um, my first question that I really, really didn't understand, if you could, you can answer all of what I say shortly, because you want to tell your story there. But why did Hamas do that? I mean, it is uh, the Israelis were stepping up the violence as a reaction to anything that happened 
and now it is uh, there in the uh, in a position of complete strategic superiority they have nuclear weapons they have uh, a strong military the number 10 producer of weapons in the world so why in hell did somebody came up with the idea to have this massacre as a provocation how did that come about well Dirk, this didn't come from you know uh, from uh, vacancy you know it just came because there is a lot of things have been happening in the country mainly in the west bank and jerusalem again the situation Explain. in gaza was miserable israel since years started to get into the area a to to arrest to kill without any accountable internationals didn't involved in a way to stop the aggressions of the israelis settlers have been given more power to go on to to confiscate more of the land to beat palestinians to kill palestinians and to burn trees uh, mainly the olive trees and mainly other main thing for uh, us as palestinians as arabs as muslims to provoke in the Laksa mosque in jerusalem where several hundreds every day from sunday up till thursday they just started to go with the 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 uh, the israeli government have given them more uh, you know privileges in getting into the mosques by doing some of them started to do prayers in al-aqsa mosque that caused more of you know uh, anger among the arabs the muslims and mainly as hamas as a muslim uh, uh, party as a muslim movement they usually care about the al-aqsa mosque and the jerusalem they warned Israel. They warned it several times, and they—if you remember it, 2000 uh, to, uh, into the year 2021—they had a clashes, uh, uh, you know, between Gaza and Israel because Israel, the Israelis, started to take over the Palestinians' houses in Sheikh Jarrah, and also in Silwan. That also part of the uh, of the issues which caused the uh, the war in the 7th of October because a lot of things that the Israeli government started to do in the occupied territories in in the west bank which with the uh, the uh, situation in gaza that was the main reasons for the you know for the uh, for that operation which hamas took over on the 7th of october now i cannot defend killing uh, civilians because i am mm. against killings and all over whatever happens any person in the world it is part of a human being i'm against killing him but it was a, 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 a let's say as an operation is to bring back the palestinian case against into the international arena which is the mm -hmm. the uh the security council uh the united nation because they just completely forgot it because ukraine was the main title in the news the last two years without even mentioning about the situation in uh, the occupied territories so hamas discovered that if we had forgotten, so it seems that we will lose more of the land in the West Bank, more of our dignity, and it will be became only slaves under the Israeli uh, government. So this is one of the main causes of that uh, operation which Hamas took over on the 7th of October. And I could, in my own perspective, Hamas wasn't expecting to go that easy in the other side of the wall, the borderline between Gaza mm -hmm. and uh, the, um, you know, the Israeli area, which is Gosh Katif, Sidrot, and so on. Because 
they never believed that within six hours they could do that operation and also to have hostages back in Gaza. I think that Hamas was thinking, first of all, also about the situation of the Palestinian prisoners in the Israeli jails. We were having over 5,000 prisoners. With the new government and the minister of the security, he started to, uh, to have more hard uh, regulations against the prisoners in the Israeli uh, jails, which also that is part of the reasons one of the main reasons for Hamas to start that war, because the uh, the minister uh, the minister of uh, security in Israel, Mr. Ben Gvir, he was, you know, up till today in his mentality, he wants to show that we are the power here and we can do whatever, and we can even make it much harder to you to, to think that you have a kinds of uh, thinking that you could have your freedom. That's all you have, because this is the mentality of what we call it the extreme right wing in Israel, which is those are the nationalist, Zionist, religious groups. They are the ones who have in their mind, they are the chosen people of God, and this is their promised land. Now, these types of uh, the, uh, we call it the groups of in Israel, which is the ones who started the Zionist movement, because the Zionist movement was built over First of all, to get the mercy and the um, the support of the internationals, mainly after the Second World War, to get a, a country, to get a land in Palestine to build the state of Israel, which happened in 1947 with the endorsement of the partition plan of Palestine, to give land in, in Palestine to build the Jewish state. So this, is, this was the first stage of the Zionist movement, to get a country, a land, a state, the second stage of the Zionist movement was the expansion of the state, which happened in the war of 1967. They took mm -hmm. all over the West Bank, Sinai, the Golan Heights, which the Sinai wasn't part of their of their uh, plan because they need yeah, more. Yeah, but they also the gave it back. East. Sinai was given back because it was a lot back, of borderline. To, yeah. but, but it was part of their empowering them because it was a, a, a an arrangement and an agreement that uh, Egypt, which is the main powerful Arab country mm -hmm. got out of the war with Israel. So Israel that time was feeling that they are the superior power in the Middle East. Okay? Now, the Why did, Israelis... Uh, to remind you again, uh, my question is what, what? So you said get it back on the on the agenda. I can understand that, and I said uh, this is what happens if all if law isn't enforced. That's what happened to the Palestinians all the time. It's a it's a game of power. It's not law is not part of it. We can see that. So how do you how do you react in a lawless situation? But still, it is extremely cruel, and it will stick to Hamas, and it will But stick to Derek, the Palestinians. Derek, you are not living in this country to talk about it. Really, you okay. cannot imagine how how hard the life is here. You know, I have uh, I have families in other cities. I cannot reach them. They cannot come to me since 19, since uh, 2000 up to today. They have no right to come in in Jerusalem. They have to get the permission. Life is not that easy. You cannot understand that unless if you live in this situation, you will understand why the Palestinians have raised up. Mm -hmm. It's not that easy. Israel have you know a lot of those international uh, regulations and. Uh, you know, uh, resolutions have been completely dropped down from the Israelis. We have 194 resolution, which is the right of return, which Israel didn't work with it. We have mm. 224, which is the right 
I mean, to um, to get to give back the land which had been occupied by power. 338 is the same. Israel didn't work with it. The peace process had been built over those two resolutions, 224 and 338, 242 and 338. Israel didn't work with it. Now, the Israeli mm -hmm. new generation, which is mostly the extreme right wing, they don't want to see. This is the third stage of the Zionist movement. They don't want to have other people in the land here. The main mentality of those people is to do the transfer, the transfer of the Palestinians in the West Bank to Jordan and to do that in Gaza, to send them to, uh, to Sinai. This is the main plan for them because I am seeing it is happening. I'm seeing what the Israeli settlers are doing nowadays in our side, in our areas. They are taking more of the land, putting each, you know, a, just a caravan or a mobile house on a hill, and they take the hill completely to them in, mm -hmm. to enlarge the, the size of their legal uh, settlements by building several of those outposts, driving out the shepherds from the areas where they were grazing their animals, completely closed areas for the military or closed areas for the settlers, um, demolishing in uh, houses in Jerusalem and even in Area C. In Area B, sometimes they will go in and... All these types of, uh, uh, you know, uh, procedures that the Israeli government with the army and the settlers are doing, it's completely killing the peace process. Now, Israel have a big title, which is called the security of the Israeli people. Now, you cannot have security for yourself and not giving the other side security. It won't give you the right to go on with it. You cannot live that with is, this situation. That is even in when you UN are, regulations uh, high up what you just said. That, no, not security. Uh, you always have to take that in account for the other side. So uh, I understand if you argue uh, that uh, from the legal part, uh, by looking away, the international community uh, gave uh, was uh, contributing to the situation we have. But we have only about five minutes left. So... Is there a way out? Is there a possibility uh, to, uh, to get out of this mass killing, which is, you know, heart wrenching to anybody who watches it? It's uh, in the beginning you have the Hamas doing that, and now it's the Palestinian population in well, Gaza, I, let me which just, is uh, outrageous. Let me correct you okay, that you, the Israeli yeah. numbers for the killings, which happened in the on the seventh of October, it dropped down to one thousand two hundred people. That's according to yes, the Israeli. I know, numbers. but still, but I think they uh, will still massacre, down even more. Massacre. It's even a massacre. It, yes. Two hundred more or it less. Is. It's a okay. massacre. Well, what will you call it? Call it for yourself. You can do. You can call it as a massacre for yourself. But we have several of those massacres have happened to the Palestinians since the start of the Zionist movement in the country. We have I a know, lot of but those. Can we get out? Okay. I, I, I can't, it's not that you know, I say uh, you are all guilty and the Israelis are only defending, not my position, but can the position is really, is there a possibility? There is a double standard world? of the world. There is a double standard policies of the world, mainly the Western countries, the ones who are talking about democracy and the human rights. We are seeing it. We are, we are witnessing what happened in Kuwait. We are witnessing what happened in Kosovo, other countries of the world where the uh, internationals, mainly the Western countries, the Europeans and the Americans, will stand, you know, with the power to to implement, you know, the rescue of those countries and to implement the democracy. But when it came up to Ukraine, we have seen what happened also, uh, that uh, mm -hmm. they stood beside Ukraine by giving, you know, uh, supporting it with weapons, money, whatever, because they are standing against a major enemy, which is Russia. But when it comes as people in Palestine since 1948 up to today, none of those resolutions have been implemented or worked 
with the is with the internationals to impose it on the Israeli government. Never happened. Now mm. imagine when we started types of the BDS movement, boycott, divest, and sanctions over Israel. The internationals, the European countries, the Americans started to work against it. This is part of the tools that the internationals or the people who are looking for democracy and human rights, they will use it as a way to put sanctions over the country, the, the oppressor, as a way to stop acts against those, you know, uh, 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 under its mm. occupation, but not against Israel. They never do that against Israel. This is the double standard of the Western countries' policies. We are seeing it clearly. So we could see that the blood of the Palestinians, babies, old people, women, it doesn't concern the Western countries. But the blood of 1,200 Israelis, it's worth to demolish, to destroy, to kill all the Palestinians of Gaza. In the, in the eyes of the Western countries, it's okay because they are defending the democratic state in the Middle East, which is Israel. This, so they don't care about our lives. They don't care about our future. They don't care about... The way that when you declare, like what the uh, the Minister of Defense in Israel have declared it, an open war by cutting the electricity, water, medicine, food, fuel against 2.3 million people. This is a crime. This is a genocide. This is a type of, you know, killing and burying the people under the the uh, you know the uh, bumper you know the bumps of the air aircrafts the uh, the navy the uh, tanks the artillery without any mercy this is not a human being uh, men mentality this is a you know a criminal's uh, mentality when you are killing babies you don't look for their future you don't look your I don't know how they dare to go back to their homes you know to play with their kids with their uh, with their children with their wives back home, and they are killing the others on the other side. This is not a human uh, you know, uh, mentality. This is so dangerous. This will is not Is there a way peace. out? Is there a way? Yes, uh, double there is a way like, out, okay. yes. What when is the, the internationals will start to deal with the resolutions as equal as other countries of the world. They have to come with those resolutions to go forward with the peace process, which we started it in 1994, and to do the implementation of it, and mm. to be serious with it. We will never give it time to just to give it to be open, because 30 years ago, we started it, we didn't have any achievement of it as Palestinians. We want to see it, it should be carried, and it will be a limited time to end that occupation. And this is where we'll get, we'll get hope, and we start to look for our future, and we think that we will. Be, will be dealing with us as a human being. Otherwise, mm. if you just give the support for one side, you will never get neither security or neither mm. a country. You mm. have to be sure that both people have to get the same type of equality in uh, giving yes. them the chance to live, to give them the security, and to give them the opportunities for them and their families to go on. Without that, it will never stop. Mm -hmm. So I'm very sorry to tell you that this situation is a way to remind us as a human being that we have to look forward. We have to do our best not to support up till today. They are not willing to have a ceasefire to go mm -hmm. on with bombing, with killing. This is not type of a human mentality. I, I believe that Mr. Biden have the, have the power to stop that without yeah. giving the green light to Israel to continue 
It's and I'd killing. also like to remind, we have 15 seconds to go, I'd like to remind that there's always the, the part who is more powerful has the responsibility to stop that. It is, yes. uh, if you have a situation like that, so that is, uh, that is what we are dealing I with right now. Now for just... the news, sorry, we have two seconds. <laughs> I have to thank you, Mr. Barakat. Yeah.